On the Way Home is proudly supported by Ellis Dong Community Builders, a group formed within the Ellis Dong group of companies to assist those who wish to deliver affordable and sustainable housing by providing development management services and leveraging Ellis Dong's turnkey cradle-to-grave project capabilities. We incorporate all that a world-leading development, construction, and building services company has to offer to provide innovative and sustainable developments that connect and energize communities. Our offering is not simply a development and construction solution. It's a holistic and comprehensive approach that ensures the delivery of assets that communities can be proud of. To learn more, please visit www.communitybuilders.ellisdon.com. We at On The Way Home would like to acknowledge the original stewards of whose lands this podcast is recorded on. In York Region, we recognize we're on the traditional territories of the Wendat, the Haudenosaunee, and the Anishinaabe peoples, and that this is the treaty lands of the Mississaugas of the Credit. And in Vancouver, we acknowledge that we are on the unceded territories of the Coast Salish peoples, the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh, whose presence on these lands continue to this day. Welcome to another episode of On The Way Home. I am one of your hosts, Michael Braithwaite from Blue Door. And as always, I am joined by the wonderfully talented Stefania from CAEH. Steph, how are you doing? I'm doing really well. How are you doing, Michael? I'm good. It's uh, it's October here in Toronto and it is a little gloomy and rainy. We really uh, hung on for a long time to the summer weather. Uh, it seems now in, in uh, this city that you have about a week and a half from turning off the AC and turning on the heater, um, which is sad, but uh, but true. No one will put on a sweater in my house. How are you? I'm doing well. Yeah, it's funny. I <clears throat> We went from very quickly from like relying heavily on an air conditioner, which we had bought for the first time ever this past summer. Um, and now our fireplace is going, our little electric fireplace. So it's kind of the same, same over here, just like one extreme to another. I always remember the, the old school electric fireplaces where they actually had like this little thing turning that made it like the illusion of a fire and then would make oh, the cool. crackling noise. Yeah, actually, I don't even think it had any heat. It just, you'd actually put it in the fire where there used Smooth to be. Smooth setting. Yeah, it was. Yeah. <laughs> it's just well, like that's awesome. <laughs> Well, I feel like we can go on and on about the weather because uh, I love talking about it as a West Coaster. It's it's one of our finer talking points, but I would love for you to introduce today's guest. Well, you know, you could say that wasn't part of the plan to talk about the weather. Speaking of planning, I want to uh, introduce our guest, Deanne uh, Embo, who's a professional planner uh, with over 25 years of experience in planning. So Deanne holds a BA from the University St. Boniface, and a master's degree in city planning from the University of Manitoba. Uh, Deanne has been with CMHC for more than 10 years in a variety of roles, and is currently an outreach specialist promoting the National Housing Strategy, which we love here on the show and talk about often, and the transformation of housing, the housing sector into one that is more affordable, sustainable, and accessible, also things that we, uh, we love. During her time at CMHC, she has also worked as a senior market analyst, a First Nation housing consultant, and as a senior policy analyst in housing needs. Deanne also spent more than 15 years with the city of Winnipeg, 
where she held a number of positions, including manager of the planning and land use division of the planning property and development department. And while working at the city, she gained experience in community development, neighborhood planning, developmental uh, development management and long range planning, including managing the development and adoption of our Winnipeg, the city's development plan. Deanne, welcome to the show. Thank well, you. We're very excited to have you. Yeah. I hope I can live up well, to that introduction. Of course. Yes, we expect <laughs> of that. Of course. Um, so, Deanne, we've started this uh, new uh, fun kind of ritual, I guess, on the podcast where we are asking the same first question to all of our wonderful guests. And so my question to you is, uh, home means uh, many things to so many people. Can you talk to us a bit about what home means to you? Sure. Um, it, it's really important. And as Michael introduced, I am a, a planner by profession. And in planning, we have the thing we call placemaking. And we usually apply it to, you know, public spaces, but it's very much also, um, a, a, it connects to home because home is the is a place, but it's also the place that you make, right? It's the place that you um, bring in the things that you love, the people that you love, and, and, and a place that you make into your own and and where you can feel secure and and surrounded by by things that make you happy right so that's um you know home being a, a place that you make and you make it your home so that's probably what what it means to me i love that and, and, and you know i think sometimes often when people say well it's home they talk about the physical structure it's absolutely what you're not saying is what you make it what it means to you and uh that's incredible yeah, and one of the reasons we put this podcast together was to share ideas and tools to prevent and end homelessness from one municipality to another. Uh, knowing municipalities absolutely play a huge part in bringing the national housing strategy to life and understanding many have ways they can support the creation and preservation of affordable housing. I'm hoping maybe you can share with us the tools municipalities uh, have used to encourage the development of affordable housing in their communities. Thanks. Yeah, I'm glad to, to have the opportunity to come and speak to you about this because this is something that, um, you know, CMHC is just starting to work with municipalities and um, we've done a lot of research and, and looked at what's happening across the country and what um, what we want to bring is what we've seen happening out there with municipalities, what they've been doing, and hopefully, you know, bringing it forward so that other municipalities can learn from each other, right? And and moving forward together and working with us and find, find new ways uh, to work with us because not all municipalities see themselves as having a role in housing because that's a federal or a provincial responsibility. But there are things that, uh, that we have seen municipalities do that has really advanced uh, the idea of, of municipalities, of, uh, of affordable housing. And these generally fall into to three categories. Um, you've got your, your, you know, municipalities have access to policy tools, their plans, their strategies. Um, they have access to financial tools, and, and this is kind of the, the one everybody thinks of, right? Putting money into affordable housing. Well, municipalities can do that as well. And then there's the whole regulatory side. Um, you know, what are things that can encourage or be barriers to, um, to affordable housing? So that's, you know, like your, your zoning bylaws and your, uh, um, your you know, uh, building bylaws and those kind of things can can either help or hinder uh, affordable housing. 
So um, I think uh, to sort of expand on that, I like to start with, um, it all kind of begins with a plan and that's that's policy and, and municipalities have the requirement to sort of develop a general plan or an official community plan, depending on what province you're in. And that's that's a document that you, you develop with your community. And it's a real opportunity to start at that level, like at your highest policy level, to start talking about the importance of housing and the importance of of um, providing a, a variety of, of housing options for people in your community. And that's the, discu the, the document that kind of, um, that you can hang what you do um, in terms of housing on that document. So if you have strong policy statements from the outset that direct your city and what to do, um, that's that's a really good place to start. And that of course cascades down to other plans that you can do. And, and a lot of municipalities are undertaking specifically housing strategies where they uh, can drill down to the details of what they want to do, um, identifying additional policies that they can bring to the table, actions they can take. And, and this is really a great opportunity to bring in other stakeholders in your communities, um, those that work in the delivery of housing, those that are in the private sector, or the public sector, those with lived experience to all get together and develop um, the strategy because that can give you uh, invaluable insight on, on what you can do. So along with, with this input and with data, you can start to set targets and um, support a, a housing strategy that um, can involve not just what the municipality can do, but what all of those agencies and all of those stakeholders working in the municipality can do together. So everybody's kind of pulling in the same direction. So I think that's from a policy perspective, really important. And another piece on, on policy that um, maybe some municipalities don't always appreciate is that they have a really strong role as advocates for what they need in their communities and advocates to us at the federal government as well as to the province. And if you've done the homework and you've got the housing strategy, I think that really builds your case as to if there are gaps that other levels of government aren't addressing, the municipality is in a great position to advocate for any changes that might occur there. So, so I kind of roll that into one of the policy tools that municipalities have. Um, if we move on to financial tools, uh, there's direct funding, of course. Some municipalities are involved in the direct provision of affordable housing, um, even though uh, province or territorial government might be involved in it. There's sometimes an arm's length um, agency from the, the municipality that actually delivers um, the housing. But there's also other ways that um, the city can make direct financial contribution to housing. You can establish a housing fund and then develop your own housing programs where um, even if it's a minimal contribution, you can um, uh, contribute to projects in your in your area. And that is something at CMHC with our National Housing Co-Investment Fund, we are looking for other government partners. So any kind of um, contribution that a municipality can do makes you a co-investor uh, in the project, right? Um, another piece is aside from dollars, there's also land. Municipalities control an awful lot of land. Um, some of it might be declared surplus. It has a substantial value to a project and it can help in the viability of any kind of affordable housing project. So um, that's also what we consider a contribution under National Co-Investment Fund. So you can either donate the land or maybe you rent it or sell it below market value. That's a significant contribution. 
even in some cases, municipalities have, um, even though the land might be needed in the future, they've allowed for it to be used on a temporary basis um, where the affordable housing can be developed on a modular scale and then picked up and moved when the land is needed. So that's a, another way of thinking outside the box in terms of land. Um, other thinking outside the box is, is thinking about co-locating facilities. Uh, there's a, a municipality in um, in BC that is co-locating their city hall with housing. So, you know, sort of city needs a certain amount of land, but they can use the space above it to, to help develop uh, affordable housing. So that's um, another interesting contribution. Um, the other pieces are, are municipalities a lot of times will um, have uh, revenue that they get from planning applications or development uh, impact fees or those kind of things. Well, there's an opportunity to sort of maybe because there's a, um, a community benefit to having affordable housing, you can waive those fees or, or property taxes, right? That's a financial contribution that, uh, that community, communities can make. And then there's the whole question of regulation. Um, as a as a planner myself, I know the the intricacies of zoning bylaws and and those pieces that uh, that developers can can face. And when we're talking about affordable housing, a lot of the time we're talking about increasing the density in a community, and that will inevitably involve some kind of a, a zoning bylaw change. Um, Anything municipalities can do to add more flexibility to their zoning bylaws, such as allowing, you know, even slightly higher densities outright um, and minimizing the number of steps that and the time involved in getting a, a land prepared and ready for affordable housing is a, is a significant contribution. Um, time, time is money, um, you know, and, and even, you know, encouraging gentle density, like um, allowing accessory dwelling units, um, you know, those those secondary suites in, a, in an existing single family home. I mean, it helps the homeowner make it more affordable for the homeowner, but it also adds a unit to the affordable rental market, right? Because um, those suites are generally of more affordable nature. So, you know, things you can do in the regulatory um, environment uh, is, is a big contribution to encouraging affordable housing and encouraging supply. There's also incentives that you can you can take, and we're going to be talking about that in a minute in terms of um, inclusionary zoning and um, you know getting um, developers to to provide affordable housing that way. There's also incentives like if you're going to um, a, a develop affordable housing, the municipality can streamline the application process for you. Some of them have like a, a, a concierge or a, a ma application manager that makes sure that your application doesn't sit too long in anybody's desk and it kind of weaves through the system as quickly as possible. Um, there's also, and I'm sure you've talked about it on this podcast in terms of uh, the whole concept of NIMBY and that um, getting the public buy-in for a development can take a significant amount of time and anything a city can do or a municipality can do to prepare the community for changes in density or to to plan for it and make it easier for the project developer to finally come in and and there's a community readiness for it um, that is is a huge barrier that can be uh, that can that the city and the municipality can assist with and and one last thing too in terms of, of a regulatory tool 
is it's important for municipalities not to forget and not to um, uh, to to dismiss the fact that they have affordable housing already. Um, something we call naturally occurring affordable housing. It's those older buildings that are, you know, are renting, you know, lower than than the average out there. And there are policies that you can put in place to to protect those kind of buildings, or if they're being replaced, you have replacement policies to make sure that the number of units themselves are not lost at that rental rate. There's also something as simple as enforcing your building and maintenance laws on a regular basis so that the properties remain in good repair and safe for tenants. And you sort of stem that idea that, uh, you know, you're encouraging timely repairs by the property owners and you don't have that demolition by neglect that can happen or that they, you know, fall into such disrepair. They're either unsafe for the tenant or the building gets gets boarded up entirely right so you know there's you know little little things like that that can you know protect what you already have so that kind of uh, i guess sums up the different the different tools that we've looked at and we've seen out there in municipalities on how they are working in that affordable housing uh, sector and helping helping the the other levels of government in this area Construct, a social enterprise by Blue Door, provides high-quality residential and commercial construction and property services in the greater Toronto area. More than a business with a heart, Construct is a real solution to preventing and ending homelessness. Through its eight-week paid skills trades training program, complete with wraparound supports and on-the-job work experience, Construct lifts people out of poverty and into opportunity. To hire Construct for your next project, or learn more about Construct's employment program, visit constructgta.ca. I'm Andrea Askowitz. And I'm Allison Langer. And we are the hosts of Writing Class Radio, a podcast, but we are so much more. We have writing classes. So if you are looking for live online classes where you can join a community, write to a prompt, get feedback, and get better, check out all our classes at writingclassradio.com. Dot com and listen to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts and at writingclassradio.com. For sure. Well, thank you for helping us wrap our, hand, wrap our heads around all of that. Um, those are, those are really lot, great tools. Yeah, no, it's great. Um, and I think it's really important context. So, so now that you've sort of stepped us through that, I was wondering if you could walk us through or talk about some examples across the country, such as Montreal's 2020 inclusionary zoning initiative um, and progressive regulations such as Edmonton's uh, open option parking. Right, yeah, I, I mentioned uh, um, inclusionary zoning and um, Montreal actually just this past April um, has enacted one of the most unique inclusionary zoning bylaws I've seen. Um, they've uh, kind of, uh, it's evolved from 2020 and it's now um, for metropole mixed or a, uh, what do they call it, a, a diverse metropolis. So they're looking at uh, a three-pronged approach in Montreal, which is really interesting. There's um, a requirement that um, that new housing developments have 20% uh, of their housing set aside for social housing. So here they would uh, partner with a social housing agency and uh, either through a turnkey or through providing land or perhaps a payment in lieu, but there's a, a, um, 
a commitment to to have 20% of developed units be for social housing. So not not the affordable side, but even more deeply uh, affordable in terms of social. And that would be working with a um, social housing provider in the province. Um, then there's requirements around affordable housing. Um, here they had, uh, in some cases, 20%, but it, it ranges from 10 to 20. And it's for specific areas of Montreal where they're uh, you know, 10% of 10 to 20% of the units should be available at affordable uh, rental levels, and the affordability definition kind of meshes with our affordable our affordability definitions in terms of co-investment and our rental construction financing initiatives. So there's there's some um, some meshing that can happen there with our programs as well. And then another interesting piece, and this is. Um, in recognition that uh, there's a lot of multifamily housing being built, but not necessarily fitting who needs it. And they are requiring that um, on large projects that have at least 50 units, that 20% of the units be geared towards families. So with, uh, with three bedrooms or more. Um, so that's uh, another unique aspect of this, uh, of this requirement. So it has just gone in place in April. So we'll be watching to see what uh, what impact that has on the market and what impact it has on um, on the availability of housing. So that's that's been uh, really interesting to watch. Um, I know Toronto right now is is looking at a revamp of their inclusionary zoning bylaw. So anybody in Toronto should uh, should take a look at what what's going on there. Uh, so I think it's uh, it's um, something that's starting to to spread and, and getting a lot of interest uh, out there. Uh, despite it being around for a long time, there's new ways of looking at it. And, and Montreal's um, mixed metropolis is kind of one of those. Um, another aspect, you, you mentioned open option parking in Edmonton, and that's another um, example of relaxing some of the development regulations where um, Edmonton is leaving it up to the developer to decide how much parking they should provide on site. So if you're if you're building a building, especially if you're a, a affordable housing provider and you're close to transit, you might not necessarily want to give up, you know, a lot of your lot to parking because people don't necessarily need cars or people maybe can't afford cars or if they're near uh, transit they don't they don't need a car and they can actually devote some of that money for you know more towards housing or towards family expenses so that's because a car is a big expense so so the open option parking kind of leaves that open to the developer so nonprofits could now uh, develop more of their lots I see it as being perhaps an opportunity for you know existing nonprofits who have housing and a parking lot adjacent well maybe now they can expand on it because there's no longer that requirement that they provide uh, parking so that's uh, uh, and it's interesting. So it's um, and it's not taking away from any developer that wants to provide parking. They can still go ahead and do that because in certain markets, if you don't have a parking spot, you can't sell the unit. That you know that takes that's entirely their decision, and it leaves it to the to the developer. So interesting way to do it. It's you know I'm fascinated by this. Um, you know you talked about the tools you've given us some examples of those and uh, at blue door we're you know we're looking at developing a site the parking piece the development charge all those different pieces um from the municipal end of things will play into it and, and you know i remember a long time ago talking with that and said look 
For us to really move our national housing strategy ahead, we need all three levels of government to play a part in that. And, and so really on that note, I was hoping you could talk about how these tools you've talked about can complement the national uh, housing strategy programs and act as a contribution to projects under the National Housing Co-Investment Fund. Okay. Um, yeah, as I mentioned, you know, anything that a municipality does that, um, you know, saves time, saves money, um, is, uh, is a contribution to the project. We see that as uh, a fulfilling the requirement for our program to have a co-investor and and the city becomes now a partner um, in the project and um, one of the interesting things we've done in terms of working closely with cities is in calgary uh, we've actually um, gotten together on a on a memorandum of understanding to uh, to share our experience and our and our knowledge where um, Calgary every couple of years will um, has a has a policy where they put their surplus land um, up for uh, a request for proposal and every couple of years they they put it out to nonprofits so at a discounted rate so their their surplus land is available for nonprofits to bid on um, now, with their um, request for proposal process, they've actually um, partnered with CMHC and what they ask in their request for proposals is exactly the same kind of information we ask for in our co-investment, National Housing Co-Investment Fund application process so that the person who's bidding on the, on the piece of land is gathering that information once right so the, you know they're 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 now kind of ready to come to us now to further that that partnership um the city of calgary who are you know great experts in knowing what's going to fit in their communities and 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 what the the housing need is and and what projects are kind of going to fit uh, you add that to cmhc's expertise in underwriting projects with the financial aspects of it that the city doesn't necessarily have with the two of us get together and we review what's come in in the request for proposals and we are thereby able to to pick the best projects that are going to have the most success with our program and therefore the most success um, within the city of Calgary. So it's it's really a, a great example where we have um, complementary skill sets that kind of work together and, um, you know, their programs work with our programs uh, very closely. And I think that's um, something that, you know, there's similar things happening in other uh, municipalities. We are open to, you know, finding creative ways to work together where we can have our, our skill sets complement each other in, in that way. I love it. I mean, listen, it, we, we need creativity. We need innovation. It's so nice to hear um, that uh, all levels of government are open to that and we need them to, to be so. Uh, listen, this has been so informative and impactful. Uh, where can people go to find out more information on the work you're doing or on some of those tools, get more information, dig a little deeper? Well, for sure, our website is uh, is a great tool, um, cmhc.ca. Uh, we also have a specific website for the National Housing Strategy, which is place to call home. Uh, dot ca not a place to call home you'll get a british sitcom if you go to a place to call home <laughs> it's a place to call home uh, <laughs> dot com <laughs> 
Awesome. Well, that's great. And yeah, Deanne, thank you so much again for making the time uh, to join us on the show okay. today. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Well, Steph, I am so excited to dig in all these different things. Mm -hmm. um, you know, often what, what holds us back sometimes from planning is not having the knowledge around the, the policy pieces, the financial mm -hmm. pieces that might be there, uh, the regulatory pieces too. Like I found that fascinating and we're doing a, we have a small house and a big piece of land in the city of Newmarket that we own. We're working with Habitat, see if we could redevelop that and the town of Newmarket. Uh, and of course we'll be coming to CMHC uh, for some support in that too, to do some mix. We could take a small house with uh, five bedrooms and actually uh, perhaps do uh, 13 units of three bedrooms, right? Just create a lot of mixed use housing there. Uh, so this is selfishly very, uh, <laughs> Informative. It, was, it was, yeah, it was so interesting, but also I think to many of our listeners too, to understand this and use these tools and find out more about them because this is what's going to push us forward in the development of affordable housing and preventing and ending homelessness. Yeah, I totally agree. And I know I reference this all the time, but, you know, back in the day when I was a city reporter, like, you know, covering rezoning applications and just having to learn the, the planning language um, for cities was, was quite the undertaking. And I was a city reporter for several lower mainland cities. And, you know, it, it definitely fluctuates from city to city. They all have their own kinks and, you know, ways of doing business. And, and I just think it's, you know, how we can find that common ground and innovate and find solutions is, I think, you know, really exciting. Yeah, I mean, in, in York region and stuff, we have nine municipalities, all very different. And yeah. we'll have a developer or someone say, I'd rather not work in, you know, because right. of, yes. and, and yeah. Deanne, with that, like the, the planning, you know, might be slower or different or don't have all these things in place. Yeah. Say, but over here, you should work with so-and-so in this town. They're, they're great and they, they really get it. And they want to push things forward, right? Uh, you know, everyone's coming on board eventually as these new tools are, are made available. But you're, you're so right from place to place. It is different. We got some great examples of where it's working today. So let's all take a hard listen to this podcast and share it widely because, hey, this is going to be helpful in uh, pushing that national housing strategy forward, don't you think? I do. Yeah. Well, Michael, another great episode. So I guess I'll see you next week. We will see you then. Hi, I'm Joel McLeod, co-host of the 905er podcast. The 905 is one of the most diverse and densely populated regions of Canada. Four and a half million of us live, work, and play in the area surrounding Toronto. That's more people in the 905 than actually live in Toronto. Each election, the 905 decides who forms our government at both the provincial and federal levels. So why isn't more attention being focused on us here in the 905? We're looking to change that. 
my co-hosts Roland Tanner and I tell the stories that define what we are calling the most important region in Canada. Each week, we bring to your attention news, culture, and issues that make up what it means to be a 905er. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, or anywhere else you listen to your podcasts. Or you can visit us at 905er.ca to subscribe. Produced by Cryer Media and distributed by the Sound Off Media Company.